Hey guys, quick note before the podcast, hope you guys are having a great week. I just want to let you guys know that if you have any feedback, I'd really appreciate that. Uh, you guys get a hold of me on LinkedIn or my email, uh, that's joe at codessa.io, that's uh, I and the O at the end. Um, yeah, just let me know what your feedback is, what questions you'd want to hear, guess, all that good stuff. I'll keep giving you guys great content and uh, hopefully keep this thing going. All right, have a great day, guys. Uh, now to the podcast. Presents. I'm here with a really special guest. Um, she's an awesome member of the Calgary business community. Uh, she's an executive and leadership coach. Uh, she's one of three master certified coaches in Calgary, one of 54 in Canada. She has 15 years of experience. Uh, she's a contributor to Forbes and an MBA mentor through the Hezekane Business School. Um, Aside from all the accolades, um, I have uh, Jen Lofkin with me today. Welcome, Jen. Thanks, Joe. Great to be here. Awesome. So yeah, let's jump right into the podcast. Maybe tell us a little bit about your uh, origin story to give some context to the listeners. Well, I think a place to start is to talk briefly about uh, where I started my adult life. And as a teenager, I found myself at 15 uh experiencing a lot of adversity and living out of the shelter and trying to go to high school. And I managed to make my way through. And uh, I had some really great teachers, uh, one in particular that showed up as a informal mentor for me and seeing my strengths along the way and helping me really think about who I wanted to be. And uh, I finished high school just barely, managed to graduate with the minimum number of credits and didn't have a lot of direction and where I wanted to go with my life and career. And uh, I took a couple of years to work and I had the opportunity to work with uh, one of Calgary's most respected interior designers at the time. And I went from being a, a struggling youth and living in a shelter and having unstable housing to spending time with some of the wealthiest families in our community. And what was important about that experience is uh, I had a chance to meet people that I thought were different than me. And, you know, there's one story that stood out in particular. Uh, one woman, she would call the office and she'd call and I'd answer the name of the company and she'd say, Virginia, how are you? And I'd say, oh, it's Jen. I'm good. How are you? And next time she would call and she called me Virginia again and again. And one day uh, this happened again. And she says, oh, Jen, I'm so sorry to call you Virginia. It's just you remind, remind me of my best friend, and her name's Virginia, and I hardly ever get to see her anymore. And from then on, every time she called me Virginia, I would just say, I'm, I'm doing good. How are you? And no longer correct her. And uh, it was from that experience and a few others that I decided that uh, looking back on where I'd come from and what I'd been through and how everybody's really dealing with the same challenges I decided my path was going to be psychology and I entered university in psychology and uh, I wasn't successful. I uh, didn't have a great GPA. I wasn't getting into my faculty at a general studies. And uh, I decided to take a break uh, from university to create a plan and figure out how I was going to be successful and get some more support around myself. And I uh, started doing some technology work. I was uh, 
working as computer department manager for a retail company in Calgary. And that was the beginning of an 11 year technology career that took me into working for a telecom company, working on international computer networks, to working for a fiber company, to ultimately working for uh, a transportation logistics organization on their nationwide network. And finally, the last role in my technology career was working as a uh, senior network architect for an international energy company and leading projects for the Middle East, Colombia and the Gulf of Mexico. And it was through that journey. And I found that I had been a consultant for a couple of years with the dot-com bus, then a uh, employee and working for a variety of different organizations. And no matter where I went, I wasn't feeling fulfilled, although I had a great opportunity, direction, choice of jobs, upward mobility into more senior leadership. And I was curious about this challenge if I didn't want it. And I had to spend the, some reflective time on exploring the question of if not this, then what? And I discovered I don't love the core of what I do. I'm really good at this technology thing, but I like all the other things around my career. I love growing and developing my team, partnering with the business on strategy, leading uh, through our challenging pro projects and uh, creating strategic plans for the future, but I didn't love the technology. And so I made the uh, courageous choice to go back to school full-time to Mount Royal University and achieve my HR designation to support me with an interest I had in leadership, culture, and teams. And when I came through Mount Royal University, I ended up achieving my designation and graduating with a distinction and a new level of success in my personal growth and professional growth. And then looking at what did I want with this new career? And I, my first opportunity was inside an organization uh, in HR, doing leadership, culture, and teamwork alongside with some other HR projects. And uh, that only lasted a few years because the bulk of the work that I loved to do was leadership, culture, and teamwork. And the, that work was going to shift and change because there'd been so much transformation in the organization to that point that the projects weren't needed to the same extent they were. And I was facing, okay, now do I go find another job and another organization doing the same thing? Or do I accept a very different role in HR in my organization? And I decided to take another leap and leave my organization and layer on some additional training, professional coach training, and start in Cito Executive and Leadership Development in 2009. And boy, oh boy, did I pick a time to start a business. I started a business in a downturn. And in hindsight, it's the very best time that I could have because it gave me a real education in how to run a sustainable business. Because anybody can start a business in a boom. But if you start a business in a recession, it teaches you how to build a sustainable business for the long term. Absolutely. That's, that's really inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, I know that, I know from lots of other podcast guests, it's rarely ever a straight path. So when you did start, uh, I guess, what's one thing you wish you, you had known uh, when you began your career? You know, I think it's something that I've, I've learned to appreciate along the way. And that is a career in coaching and leadership development, that running a business, you need to focus on running your business. Yes, it's important that I am providing great service to our clients and I'm an accomplished coach and keep up with my own professional development and members of our team 
are pre- providing great value and uh, accomplished coaches, yet in the role that I'm in in leading the business, it's so important to focus on running the business in such great business acumen. And it's something I've grown and developed over time that I wish earlier in starting this business, I had developed greater skills around business acumen in terms of being an entrepreneur. And I waited many years to join the Calgary Chamber of Commerce to learn and be mentored by other business owners, not just other professionals in my area of expertise. And I wish I did that from the very, very beginning. I think I would have supported us in getting to an even greater level of success earlier on in the business than I've achieved today. And we've achieved great success in business today. I just know that having developed that business acumen and having other business owners, whether or not they're in the same space, um, for that business mentorship would have been a great value at the very beginning. Yeah, sometimes as uh, business owners, we get sucked into being in the business, not so much working on the business. Um, Has there been a big challenge that you've learned from since then? Uh, You know, uh, if you don't mind, I'll tell you two quick ones. I think they they have two important um, learnings uh, that are unique. And uh, the first one is, oh, I can't remember when it was, probably four years into the business on uh, some advice from someone I didn't know very well. I was convinced to create an e-course as another product line for our clients and invested heavily in full production of an e-course and upon launching it, sold nothing. My big learning from that was I created a product that I hadn't gone through minimal minimum viable product testing. And I built a product for clients that we no longer served. It was a product that was focused on entry-level leaders, middle managers. And I wasn't paying attention to the shift in our clients that we were starting to serve. Most of our clients, director, VP, C-suite at that time. And those are clients that aren't looking to take an e-course. And I learned my lesson to sit back and reflect and really talk to our clients and understand what are some of the other challenges they have and how can we meet their needs, whether it's in different ways to offer our services, new services, or helping them with new challenges. And that was a mistake I made at that time that I've greatly learned from. And I think the other one is not a a big failure, but a challenge was in 2015, there was another economic downturn. And that one was uh, a challenge because uh, I saw some of the signs that there were gonna be some changes in the energy industry. No one could have anticipated the global collapse in energy prices and the geopolitical challenges around it. And we lost, 70% of our business between September and November 2015. But what I had done starting in January when I started to see some of the challenges in the energy industry, thankfully because uh, my husband is in the energy industry himself, and uh, through that learning, I had learned to see some of the signs of up and down. I started doing more business development back in January that 2015 in the other sectors that we were serving. And... uh, We lost that business, all of our energy and energy services clients, 70% of our business in the fall of 2015. But because 
of my business development efforts, which was really building relationships in those other industries we served. Come January 2016, new clients started to call, new opportunities started to come. We replaced that business by the end of February 2016. It was fast and furious. And then uh, we continued to grow and grow and grow, not just up till June, when things usually slow down for summer. We started getting new clients all throughout the summer and grew leaps and bounds through 2016. So we went from a real challenge of an economic challenge, but the learning in that was to always be doing business development. And I think of business development as always looking at new ways to create value and build relationships with people that don't, won't necessarily become a client, but to understand the value that you create and to give freely into the business community. And it'll come to you leaps and bounds through good karma. And that's really what happened for us through 2016. Wow. Yeah. Talk about turning a negative into a positive. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. I love the advice of always putting good, good karma into the, into the ecosystem that it always comes back somehow. Um, maybe not right away all the time, but it usually comes back and leaps and bounds like you were saying. For somebody wanting to pursue a career um, in leadership coaching or your industry in, in particular, what advice would you give them when starting out? I think the first one is there are very few, if any, jobs as a coach. And a lot of mm -hmm. people will go down this path hoping that they're going to find a coaching job. And a choice to become a leadership coach is a commitment to being an entrepreneur and a commitment to that business acumen piece I talked about. And I think the other thing that's important is it's important to go get professional coach training. I see so many former HR professionals or former executives and uh, people from all walks of life wanting to become a coach and many of them deciding to become a coach because they've got lots of great background experience and they're just going to serve people and create a website and start a business. And they struggle because the service they're providing isn't coaching. And uh, it's important to go and get education as a coach. Um, professional coaches have more than a year of professional coach training and going through supervision with uh, accredited coaches and rigorous exams to hone their skill of coaching so that you're able to create great value with the background and foundation of expertise that you bring through the art of coaching. So I think those are the two pieces to be really committed to your own professional development, but also that commitment to an entrepreneurial lifestyle and mindset. Has there been a unique skill um, that you'd say has helped you become successful or a great coach? Uh, you know, I think there's a couple of things. One is my approach. I think about my clients and how they've described working with me compared to another coach. And I've been told that I take a blend of inquiry and digging deep, but then help them translate that into something that's practical and tangible that they can do with new insights and not just have an inward looking approach, but to be real practical on, okay, so what can we do with that insight and how can they translate that into becoming more effective every day as a leader and not just a mindset shift, but translating that into, into actions. And uh, I think some of the other things that I'm known for that it, skills that I bring is taking a um, unique ability to listen to what's not being said. And I also tend to ask questions that no one is asking. And 
that's where I've been able to create a lot of value for the leaders I work with and helping them unlock their thinking because they're being posed questions that make them think in a different way. And I may also able to hear those things that aren't being said or what's between the lines and ask questions about them or reflect them back to my clients so that they become more aware of their own thinking and what's driving their thinking and their decisions. Mm, interesting. Would you say emotional intelligence would be uh, another piece in that? Yeah, emotional intelligence paired with, I, I think a big part of it is also helping clients accept where they are now and uncover the limiting beliefs and fears that are holding them back from creating what they want next and then helping them step into some courageous and brave choices where those limiting beliefs have been holding them back so far. And I think emotional intelligence is maybe a broader skill set that a real slice I take in it is that real um, partnering with a client and helping them look at how are they getting in their own way and then challenging them to take some action to move themselves forward. There's a question I'm dying to ask you. Um, yeah. What makes a good leader? You know, I'm not going to list the qualities for you. Um, I think uh, I want to approach that in a different way. It's a, it's a mindset. Mm. And I like to call it a mindset of letting go. Whether it's a letting go of being right, a letting go of being liked, or letting go of being in control. And it's really a mindset of stepping into that letting go is about stepping into vulnerability and risk and uncertainty and emotional exposure so that that leader makes true connection with the people that they serve and they're making tough decisions and they're stepping into hard conversations and they're uh, charting a course towards an uncertain future because they see something that other people can't see. Uh, all of that requires uh, a, an internal letting go. Mm. Wow. That's powerful. Thank you. What are some of the resources that's helped you along the way? Oh, yeah. I have had so much help along the way from peers, informal mentors. I think I mentioned, you know, earlier, I wish I had reached out to other business owners. Yet when I did, they were always there as mentors the business community, the Calgary Chamber of Commerce has been an incredible resource along the way, along with some of the leaders that I've served with on the boards for other nonprofit organizations I've been involved in. They've all been formal and informal mentors for me along the way. And then some of the other more tangible resources have been learning from thought leaders like Simon Sinek and Peter Senge and Bernie Brown or Bob Anderson, the founder of the Leadership Circle, and Patrick Lencioni, and Dan Pink, and so many more. One thing that I do a lot of is a lot of research and reading uh, to be able to support my clients, but it helps me be a better business owner and a better leader in community, whether it's running my own business or it's serving on a board of directors or it's just being a good community citizen. I think these are some of the resources that have really helped me create not only um, business success, but also uh, personal and uh, professional fulfillment along the way. Has there been anything 
uh, recently that you've read or listened to. I know you mentioned some uh, great, great speakers and authors, but has there been anything recently? Yeah, there's a, a great book that I received oh, as a gift from someone or at a conference. And it sat on my shelf for a year. And I don't know about you, I end up with a stack of business books that I want to get to eventually. And in the line of work that I do, it's an ever-growing stack. And there was this one that just sat there and looked at me from time to time and was drawn to. And then on a, a week off last, last summer, I read it. And that book is Essentialism by Greg McEwen. And... It was an unexpected book. I thought this book was going to be more about cleaning up your house and uh, taking a minimalist lifestyle. And it was an amazing surprise because what I found inside it is that it's all about the mindset of leadership and about that journey I was telling you about of letting go that Greg McEwen beautifully walks through many of the different elements of adopting a leadership mindset. And he doesn't call it that. Yet, as I worked through that book, I saw all those things that I talked to clients about presented beautifully in simple, easy terms to look at how do you walk through that journey of developing that mindset. So that book is Essentialism by Greg McEwen. And I I'm sad that I waited a whole year to read it. I wish I read it sooner. And now that I've read it, I can't, I can't unknow it. And it's often a book I recommend to my clients. Fantastic. I'm adding that to my uh, iPhone notes right now. <laughs> Essentialism, Greg McEwen. Got it. Because, yeah, I know that leadership doesn't just come from a title. There's a bunch of processes and mindset shifts and tweaks that you have to make to become a great leader, including emotional intelligence and um, like you're saying, the letting go piece. Well, Joe, and I, I talk with a lot of leaders about um, you can learn all the skills and tactics of leadership, but if you're going to apply those from one mindset versus another mindset, the mindset piece makes all the difference on how you execute on those skills and tactics. And I use the example of if you learn how to give feedback to someone and you learn a framework and you go deliver the framework and you do it from a place of not caring and no empathy then the chances of that person hearing your feedback are reduced. But if you come into delivering that feedback from a mindset of not being right and a mindset of care and concern for that person, but also boundaried and letting go of being in control of what they do with it next, then the chances of that person accepting and hearing your feedback and considering it goes up dramatically. Interesting. Kind of going back into leadership coaching and your industry, what's one common myth about leadership coaching that you wish was debunked? Can I give you two? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, First one is coaches solve your problems. Coaches don't solve your problems. Mm. Coaches are there to be a catalyst to help you solve your own. And coaches will bring lots of tools and resources or experiences with their own clients to share with you. Yet ultimately, you're ridiculously in control. And a coach there is to help you solve your own problems. And I think the other one is just because someone uses coach in their title doesn't mean they have any training or qualifications to become a coach. And it's a space that there's a lot of confusion. And uh, yet uh, I am looking to keep getting out there in the world and helping people dispel the myth that not all coaches, all coaches are created equal. They're not. And that uh, a really great coach does come from a credential background. Right. 
what are you curious about right now? Could be personally, professionally. Yeah, there is. And I think it comes from the circumstance we're in right now with the the challenges in the world and uh, having to engage in our relationships differently and our businesses differently. What I'm really curious about now is looking at how do we approach building relationships in an ever disconnected world where we're wanting connection more than ever. And more specifically, I'm curious about the challenges for men, probably 70% of the leaders that I work with are men and seeing the challenges of men having shrinking and shrinking communities with other men. um, That's really where my curiosity is lying right now is this challenge around creating connection, given all the uh, connection challenges we're experiencing right now, but specifically that challenge for men having community with other men. Interesting. I've never never heard that before. Is there is there any insights that you have to this uh, challenge? Uh, it's something I've been observing and seeing with my clients and uh, all others in my personal life. And I guess uh, what I've been testing and talking to people about is looking at how I can be part of a solution around that. So one of the things I'm going to be doing in the in the next uh, few weeks or uh, month and a bit is launching a uh, leadership group that's for only men and try uh, testing that out online as as a pilot to look at not a uh, leadership program for men but a leadership program that's focused on helping men talk with their peers about the challenges of leadership and bringing forward the mindset of leadership challenges to work through but helping them engage in conversation with one another and if at the end they don't need me anymore and they launch into having their own community then I've done my job the goal is not to teach them content it's to use some content to as a uh, topic of conversation and to unlock their learning in community with each other and look at what uh, emerges for them from that process very cool so kind of stepping back again um how has Calgary changed in particular from when you started to your, to where you are now? I think the dramatic thing is the uh, the big shift in the energy industry. And as a result, our uh, economy as, as a whole in Calgary has dramatically shifted. Um, we were the coveted head office of the West City and we're struggling with identity now as a city and the business community is also struggling with identity and who are we now as a business community and a community as a whole. And uh, I think Calgary is in a period of transition in identifying um, who we want to be next because we can't go backwards. We can only go forwards and there is no what was there is what's emerging next. And, so I think that's the biggest shift that I've seen in, in Calgary is really this this mindset shift that's happened as a result of the collapse of our energy sector. Interesting uh, article on your website, Strategic Planning in Uncertain Times. It'd be awesome to get some of your insights, uh, share some of your insights with, uh, with the listeners as well. Well, uh, and we did a, a webinar on that actually earlier today and there's a couple of things we were talking about is strategic planning in uncertain times is it's like you're building an airplane while you're flying it and (laughs) you're running the business. And although you're in crisis mode, 
need it, it how important it is to have a direction and to build that strategic plan framework yet keep it really simple uh like building an airplane in the sky uh you gotta tend to the really core essential pieces and let go of all the nice to haves because you don't have the time to deal with that you're still flying the plane and time is of the essence there's also some direction you've you've got to build in and to let go of the perfection that goes with it and uh, uncertain times it's actually a really great time to do some strategic planning because it cuts like a knife through butter towards what's important when you're doing a SWOT analysis in uh, certain times or really no times are certain but we can have the illusion of that we can get distracted with um, what truly matters or what really our strengths are and what the opportunities are that are we're presented with because it's like the smorgasbord yet in uncertain times we're able to cut through to what really needs to grab our attention and what we really need to pay attention to and the last piece I think that I want to share and there's so many things we talked about but it's uh, looking at uh, it's not so much about the written plan yes it's important to write it down but what's really important is to engage in the process of strategic planning is getting alignment with your team and having the hard conversations about what are we going to say yes to and even more, what are we going to say no to and why? It's about making tough decisions and placing a bet on a particular direction, even though it's uncertain because everybody needs direction. And yet if your leadership team isn't aligned on a direction because you haven't had the tough conversations, then you're going to keep going in circles and everybody needs a vision and direction, even if it's going to change. Absolutely. A couple more questions here. Just again, so much, so much value, leadership value, and value from just your insights. Where can our listeners connect with you online? And also, is there any upcoming webinars you'd like to spotlight, or any um, upcoming events or content that you'd like to make our listeners aware of? Uh, I think uh, first and foremost, listeners can connect with me through our website on insido.ca. And I publish a monthly newsletter uh, article on a leadership topic, share uh, another thought leader's perspective on the same topic, and then a, a video on the topic as well. For those that are looking for a video, um, I'm really engaged in conversation on LinkedIn. And then they can also find me on Twitter at Jen, with two N's underscore Lofgren. And in terms of upcoming webinars, we're doing a regular webinar series as a result of COVID on Fridays at one o'clock. And we post those through our uh, social on LinkedIn. And um, our, our next one is gonna be a coffee with coaches uh, next week at on Friday at one o'clock. And I'm also speaking at the uh, Leveling Up eSummit on May 27th. So there's a few places that they can connect with with me and stay in touch. I usually like to end the podcast with uh, our guests giving maybe a question to the audience or maybe a story um, to kind of leave them marinating with this great, great value and insights. And there's a, there's a quote that uh, stands out for me. And this quote I uh, was introduced to by an organization I serve on the board for, the Calgary Youth Justice Society. This is a quote that they use in their leadership development program for struggling youth. And uh, I think uh, before I share the quote with you, uh, a little bit of why this is important to me is comes from this adversity I had as a young person. And my choice 
around possibility. I, I live my life with the belief that we create our own possibilities and that I'm ridiculously in control of what I create and what I do in response to my circumstances. And this quote is from Dan Custer, and it goes like this. Every morning is a fresh beginning. Every day is the world made new. Today is a new day. Today is my world made new. I have lived all my life up to this moment to come to this day. This moment, this day, is as good as any moment in all eternity. I shall make of this day, each moment of this day, a heaven on earth. This is my day of opportunity. And so my question to listeners is, what will you do today to capitalize on the opportunity presented to you today?